This morning, it is our uh, great um, blessing. It's our, it's our great privilege to have with us Pastor David Tice. He is the uh, pastor of Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, he has been the pastor there for 42 years. And uh, his, his church is an amazing church. Uh, just a few years ago, we, we had our, uh, an opportunity, uh, my father and I, to, to be at his church uh, for a conference, for a missions conference. And man, our, our heart was blessed. It was challenged. It was, it was just a wonderful experience to be there with him. In fact, it's only been about three years since we've uh, gotten to know uh, Pastor Tice. We had heard of his name, but uh, had not had an opportunity to, to meet him. And uh, it was just great these last three years. He has been... Uh, Someone that's been a friend uh, to our ministry, to our church. He's been a friend to me personally, and and I appreciate his testimony. I, I remember the uh, vice president of the college that I went to for Bible college. He he'd always say, he said, success in ministry and walking with God uh, in ministry is not measured by just a couple years. It's measured by decades. And after four decades of walking with God as the uh, pastor. Uh, he is one that has kept a, a right testimony. He's been faithful uh, to his family. He's got five children. All of them are serving God. And, uh, and that's why this week uh, we've just kind of had an emphasis in a, just a weekend conference on the family. Last night he brought a wonderful, wonderful message uh, on building a kingdom family. He's going to continue that series throughout uh, this morning and then this evening again. Uh, but a great uh, message for us as husbands and, and also for wives. And, and if you're wondering, uh, he, he was talking about being a, a good servant uh, last night as a husband, how we are to serve our families. And, uh, and after that, we went home and Rochelle was talking about how I needed to be and I wasn't being so service-like. And then she punched me right here on this eye. And, uh, and so I'm much more uh, being a servant today. I'm just joking. Uh, this is a sty, all right? She did not punch me. Uh, but uh, it was just a wonderful message. What a great challenge for us. And I know this morning uh, his message is going to be great. He says at his church, now they have a Spanish ministry at, at their church, and usually they have three services as well. And they go English, English, and then Spanish is his third service, and he gets uh, has a translator for the Spanish service. He said this morning to me, he said, this is going to be a little bit of a difference. He said, I'm going Spanish, Spanish, and English with no translator. And, uh, and so this morning, I know what God's laid on his heart is going to be a blessing uh, for us. And so, Pastor Tice, if you would come on up and share with us what the Lord has laid on your heart. Let's go ahead and welcome him this morning. God bless you. What a privilege to be able to be here. I'm so thankful for... Um, for the ministry of this church and for the example uh, that this church is when it comes to families. What a wonderful testimony the Mendoza family has, not just here, but around the country, uh, that this is a, a man who has built a ministry and, a, and brothers that have built a ministry on the family, and I am thrilled uh, to be able to be here. We are talking about raising God's kids, raising kingdom kids. Several years ago in our church, as we were having a missions conference, a lady came up to me after the service, and she said, by the way, I feel lonely up here. Uh, I mean, all, all morning I've had somebody with me, and uh, now I feel sort of lonely, but um, we've got God. Say amen to that. Uh, so and we, uh, uh, oh, I grew up where was I? Oh, uh, the, so this lady, lady comes to me at our missions conference, and she said, I have a question. She said, how did you do this? I said, what do you mean? She said, you've raised five kids in Las Vegas, Nevada, 
And she said, how in the world did you raise these kids to want to serve the Lord? They're, look, all of them are around here. They're serving the Lord. They're happy. They're enjoying ministry. She said, could you sit down and just uh, tell us as missionaries how we can raise our kids to want to serve the Lord? And so I went home that evening, and I said, sure, I'll do that. Tomorrow morning, I'll do that. And the next that, that night, I went home, and I said to my wife, how did we do that? And uh, so we sat, and we talked, and uh, we came up with 13 things that we, that we did uh, together. And I'm going to share those things with you uh, this morning. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6? Now, we're not going to go through all 13 of them this morning. We're only going to look at three of them this morning, and then we'll try and cover as many of those as we can this evening. It is so important in our world today that we define the family, that we understand the family. The world has, I said this last night, the world has redefined the family. The world says, uh, the, uh, if I have a, this is my ball team, this ball team is my family. People say, I go to the bar and these are my, my family, these people that I meet with in the bar. Uh, people say, uh, uh, people have redefined the family. Our, our nation has tried to redefine the family. The nation now says the Supreme Court has said a family can be one man and one man or one woman and one woman uh, getting together. And you can adopt children and you can have, that can be a family. There's a cult out in the West uh, called the Reformed LDS Church. They believe that a family can be one man with multiple wives. Uh, there's all sorts of redefining of the family. It is absolutely essential that you and I as believers understand God's plan for the family, and that is one man serving one woman for one lifetime. That is God's plan, and them raising children for the glory of God. That is the only plan. There is no other definition in the Bible. That is God's plan for marriage. Say amen to that. We need to understand that, and we need to understand that the world doesn't understand that. We live in a reprobate world that does not understand the difference between right and wrong. That is why they call evil good and good evil, because there's a lack of understanding. That is why biblical Christians need to have a grasp on what we're supposed to be as a husband and a wife. That's why we must understand how to raise our children, and we need to raise our children for the glory of God. You know, the Bible tells us that our families are to represent God, that that's why we are called. We are called to represent Jesus Christ. That was, that's not just true of us. That was true in Moses' day. The people of God were supposed to represent God. And as they were going into the nation of Israel, uh, the children of Israel, you know, came out of Egypt. They traveled in the wilderness for 40 years. As they traveled in the wilderness for 40 years, God gave them commandments and told them how to behave themselves when they did get into the land so that they could be protected. As we come to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses stands before the people of God and he tells the people of God, look, you remember what's taken place the last 40 years. And you remember when we went to Mount Sinai 
and you actually heard the voice of God. This is what Deuteronomy chapter 5 is all about. You heard the voice of God. You heard God give you the Ten Commandments. In fact, when you heard his actual voice coming down from Mount Sinai, it caused fear in your life. And you came to me and you said, Moses, we don't want to ever hear the voice of God anymore. We want him to talk to you, and then you come and talk to us, and we'll do whatever you say, but we don't want to hear the voice. It was a frightening thing. And so Moses rehearses that story in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and he gives them the Ten Commandments. But when we hear the commandments of God, the commandments of God are threatening to us. And here's why. We know we can't keep those commandments. We know how difficult it is to obey the commandments of God. And we can't. That's why we can't get to heaven through keeping the commandments. We're all sinners. Because we're sinners, every one of us deserved to go to hell. That's why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. He came to this earth because he knew we were sinners and deserved to go to hell. And the payment for our sin was eternal separation from God in hell. He didn't want that for you and me, so God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And as a man, he died to pay the penalty of our sin in our place. Only he could do that for all of mankind at one time, because only he could be every place at the same time, in the past, present, and future, all at the same time, so that one time in space and time, the eternal God as a man could die and pay for your sin and my sin. And that's what he did on the cross. He died, but that wasn't the end. He is God, and he had the power to raise from the dead and three days later he rose from the dead was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses that's why we know this is no myth the new testament was written by people who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of christ and as eyewitnesses they wrote down their testimony and when they wrote it they knew they were going to die for what they wrote people don't die for something they know is a lie can you say amen to that so we have the written word of god that was written by people who were willing to die for what they wrote they, they saw him die, bury, be buried, rise from the dead. He went back to heaven. Now he says this, anyone who comes to me and recognizes themselves as a sinner and will come to me and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you are God. I know that you died in my place to pay for my sin. You were buried and rose from the dead for me. I want to ask you to be my savior. Anyone who does that can become a child of God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who receives him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So we become children of God, and we are here to represent him. That's for us as individuals. That's for our families. That's for the local church. That was also true for the nation of Israel. God wanted the nation of Israel to represent him. So he gives them the commandments, and he says, listen, I want you to obey these commandments. And if you do, he says, in, verses, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, he says, if you do that, listen, you're going to prosper. Look at verse 3. He says, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. God doesn't give his commandments to make us miserable. He gives us commandments to make us successful, that it might be well with thee, that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of, your, of thy fathers has promised thee in the land with, that floweth with milk and honey. I've given this to you. I've given you these commandments because I want you to succeed. I want you to, to, to prosper in the land. But the question is, how do you do that? We know we're sinful. We know we, 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 we are weak. We know we can't keep these commandments. How do we do this? And, and, and 
how do I teach these things to my kids? How do I teach my kids to love God or to, to keep the commandments? Here's the key. In verse 4 and 5, this is a verse that Jesus quoted when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, give us the great commandment. He didn't list any of the Ten Commandments. He didn't list any of the commandments that are in, in Deuteronomy chapter five, uh, chapter 5. He came to this verse and quoted this verse. Here's the key. Here's the key to keeping the commandments. Here's the key to teaching your children to keep the commandments of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is Jehovah God is one Jehovah. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. You love me and you'll keep my commandments. Look in verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day, what words? That you should love God with all your heart and soul and mind. But you should love God this way. When you do that, you do that and you teach these words which I've commanded thee, you shall, they'll be in thine heart and teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Father, I pray you'll help us as parents learn how to teach our children to love you. Because if they love you, then they'll serve you. And if they serve you, then they're going to have good lives. And Father, you can redeem this nation as you redeem your people. And God, I pray that you'll help me to be effective in communicating your truth to your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Raising children is a, is a challenge. Can you say amen to that? I mean, all the children have got different personalities. They do different things. My, my, I have a grandson named Lincoln, and Lincoln is just busy. He's into everything. He's always, always, always. I don't know if you have one of those, but he's always challenging everything. He's always into things. Lincoln said to me, <laughs> Lincoln came to me one day. I, we're sitting on a couch in my house. I'm sitting, and we have a sort of a wraparound couch. My daughter, Charity, his mom, and, and, and my son-in-law, Neil, are sitting over here, and uh, we're, we're having a conversation when Lincoln comes running out of the back room and says, Grandpa, Grandpa, I want to ask you a question. I said, what's that? Come, come over here. What's that? He said, well, I just want to ask you, how come you're so fat? <laughs> then I looked at him, and I said, what did you say? He said, how come you're so fat? His mom and dad are getting upset. They're about to get up. I said, no, no, I'll take care of this. He <laughs> said, come over here. And I held him up next to me. I said, I, said, I want to ask you a question. I want, I'm going to tell you something. I said, you know what's going to happen to you when you grow up? He said, what? I said, I said this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to grow up and you're going to get big and you're going to get fat. And people are going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, fatso. And they're going to call you fatso and they're going to make fun of you because you're fat. He said, why, Grandpa? I said, because you asked me why I'm fat. And the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you're going to reap the consequences, and people are going to call you fat. He said, really? I said, yes. He said, he said, well, can I ask you one more question? I said, what's that? He said, who did you call fat? Children can be a challenge, and they can ask you challenging questions, and they can put you, they can put you on the defensive. 
it is important that we have follow certain principles that help develop them into the beings that God wants them to be. And so we're going to look at that. What, what are the things that help us to, 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 to teach our children to love God? Let me give you key number one. Number one, pray for your children every single day. Pray for your children every single day. Uh, I got to tell you this. I, I wasn't very, very good at family devotions. I, 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 I'm not that kind of organized person. Uh, besides that, I have two sons who think they're clowns, and I have two daughters who are a great audience, and so, or three daughters that are a great audience, and, and so I have Matthew, Joshua, Charity, Faith, and Hope. Uh, we had Charity and Faith, and then for four years we were without hope, uh, but then hope came along, we, so we were no longer hopeless, and so we have, we have hope. Well, well, I would sit down and say, we're going to have family devotions. I'm going to read the Bible. Matt and Josh thought this was comedy time. Uh, this was the time to, to just uh, distract and do all sorts of stuff. So I really, honestly, it wasn't just their fault. I'm, I'm, I'm just not really, really good at family devotions. But I determined that we were going to spend time talking about God all the time and that God was going to be center in our life, that we were going to make... Uh, our, uh, we were going to make our children think about the Lord all the time. I was driving down the road one day. Uh, we would do this all the time. We'd drive down the road. We'd see something happening. We'd see somebody who was living a life that wasn't, they shouldn't be living. And we would point at them and we'd say, hey, you disobey God. And you can wind up uh, living right there. Uh, you can live underneath that, underneath that shelter there uh, because you're, you've disobeyed God. You, you, you can be in that situation. We would talk to them about life uh, I was driving down the road one day, and I saw something, and I said, hey, kids, let me tell you something. And in, from the back seat, Matthew said, I feel an object lesson coming on. <laughs> and uh, because he knew we were going to talk about the things of God. We wanted to be faithful at talking to our kids. And you say, why? I'll tell you why. When, I, when Matthew was about four years old, uh, and Joshua was about to, Charity wasn't quite born yet, if I remember right. We were invited to a camp called Camp Ironwood for a men's retreat. A preacher got up there, he was an older preacher, and he got up and he started talking about how important it was to raise children. And then he said this, he started telling us one story after another story about Preachers whose kids had become immoral, had lived terrible lives, had forsaken God, were not going to church. He told one story after another story after another story. While I was sitting there listening to him preach, I thought to myself, man, I can remember the song. I remember a song in the 1960s that was sung by Diana Ross and the Supremes. And the song was... The only one that could ever reach me was the sweet-talking son of a preacher man. What she was talking about was the fact that the only one that could get her to be immoral was an immoral preacher's son. That thought went through my mind as I listened to him talk about this preacher's kids falling and this preacher's kid falling and this preacher's kid falling. And I thought, man, I don't want that for my kids. And my heart was gripped. And I was just, in my heart, I was just thinking, God, I want my kids to live for you. 
when the preacher was finished speaking, he said, you can be dismissed. And everybody left, and there was an activity center across the way. And the people got up and went to the activity center. Some people went to, the, to, to snack shops to get something to eat. Out in back of that chapel at that time, there was a, two or three mesquite trees. In fact, they're still there. And there was a little patch of grass. You don't, out in the desert, you don't get much grass. There's a little patch of grass. I left there. It was dark. Nobody was out there. I, I left. I walked down to that patch of grass. I got down on my knees before God. I, I just bowed, put my face to the ground, and I said, God, I don't care about anything else in the world. I don't care how big our ministry gets. I don't care how many people know me. I don't care what I do. I don't care how much money we have. I don't care about anything, God, more than anything else in the world. I want my children to serve you. I want my children to love you. I want my children to honor you. God, please protect my children. I pray for Matthew. I pray for Joshua. I, I pray for the other children that you might give us in the future. I just begged God. I don't know if I was there for 20 minutes or for two hours. I just kept crying out. My heart was just breaking. I wanted my kids to serve the Lord Jesus. I wanted them to do what God wanted them to do. I, uh, somebody gave me this poem years ago, if I can find it here. Share it tonight. I knew that my example was absolutely essential. I knew that they were going to watch me, that there were little eyes upon me. They were watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all willing to do everything you do. And there's a little fella who's yearning to grow up to be just like you. I thought about that. I thought about that. And I thought, man, God, I want to be right. I thought, I can't do a whole lot. I can't do what everybody else can do, but I can certainly pray for my children every single day. I decided I was going to do that. This morning I woke up. I have 18 grandchildren. Now, I know you don't think that I look old enough to have 18 grandchildren. But I have 18 grandchildren. Every single day I pray for every single one of them by name. I have five children and actually 10 children because... When my, my sons and daughters got married, I just, their, their kids, their, their spouses became my kids. So a total of 18 of them in total, or a total of, of 30 of us in our family. I pray every single day. Today, I prayed for every single member of our family. I am not eloquent. I do not have eloquent prayers. I do not uh, have big words that I, that I say to God. I do simply pray for my children. Let me tell you what I prayed for Matthew today. I, pr I said, Lord, I pray that Matthew will live for you and serve you. I pray you'll protect him, and I pray you'll bless him. Here's what I prayed for my granddaughter, Ashlyn. I said, Lord, I pray that Ashlyn will live for you and serve you all of her life. I pray you'll give her a godly husband. That's what I prayed for her. Let me tell you what I prayed for Emma. Emma is my youngest. She's like nine months old. She, I just got a picture of her yesterday. We have a, a golden re retriever puppy, and uh, my, my daughter Faith is watching my golden retriever, and Emma loves 
princess. Her name's Princess. And so Emma loves her, Emma May. And so Emma has just been getting to the point where she's just beginning to walk. And so they sent me a video of Emma trying to get to where Princess was. And she's just doing this thing and trying to get to her. It was so, so cute. She's a beautiful little baby. She looks just like her grandmother. She, uh, uh, but this is what I prayed for her. I prayed, God, I pray that Emma will be saved at a young age. I pray, Father, that she'll live for you and serve you all of her life. And God, I pray that you'll give her a godly husband. You say, wait a minute, she's nine months old. Why are you praying for her husband? Well, see, that's the deal. Many people wait till a problem comes to pray for the problem. Look, I'm going to pray now. Why should I wait till she's 16 years old and she brings some snaggletooth guy with, with stuff pierced in his body into the house and says, Grandpa, this is my boyfriend. No, I'm not going to pray that God will take him away. I'm going to pray that God will never let him come. That's what I'm going to pray. This is called, you've heard of prepay? This is called pre-pray. You pray ahead of time. That's what God told us to do. That's what Jesus told us to do. Jesus said, pray, lead us not into trials. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, God tells us exactly what we should pray. He doesn't want us to just uh, pray at rote memory, but these are things he said to pray for every single day. He said, Lord, he said, when the disciples said, teach us to pray as, as, the, as John taught his disciples, he said, this is how you pray. Jesus said this when, he didn't say pray like this, he said, when you pray, say. The word say means to speak out loud. So he said, when you say, speak out loud these words, our Father, that recognizes that God is our Father. He's not just your Father. He's not just my Father. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm praying one day, and I got down, Pastor, I got down on my knees, and I was talking to the Lord. Uh, in fact, I was outside in my garage because there were people visiting us and all that. There was no private room, so I got to my, to my, in, uh, went in my garage, and I had a, a little piece of carpet next next to my treadmill. I have a treadmill. I use it every day. Every day. I hang, I hang clothes on it. I, I put all sorts of stuff on it. Anyway, I was next to my treadmill, and I was praying. I said, Lord, I said, you know, I'm, I was talking to him about the Trinity. I said, Lord, I don't understand a lot about you. And I, I just, Father, I thought, how can you be God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit? And Jesus said, when I'm talking to him and he's the Son, that you're talking to the Father. I don't understand how all that works. While I was praying, this thought came to my mind. I said, uh, this thought came to my mind. Uh, when you pray, who are you praying to? I said, we're to pray our Father. You said, we're to pray our Father. And the thought came, what, am I, what are you supposed to pray? And I thought, our Father. And then I thought, why do we pray our Father? And then it hit me. When we pray our Father, Jesus said, when I got saved, he became my brother. When I approach the Father, I'm approaching him with Jesus. He is our Father. He goes, I, I thought, man, I don't even care if I understand anything anymore. That was just so good. Our Father, who art in heaven, you're the one that's in control of everything. Let your name be holy in my life. I want that for me. I want that for my children. I want that for my grandchildren. Let your name be holy in our lives. Let your kingdom come. 
Let, let us manifest your kingdom everywhere we go. Let your will be done. Let me do your will. Let my children do your will. Let my grandchildren do your will. Here in this earth, just like we will in heaven, give us everything we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us everything we need today to do your will. Forgive us our sins. Father, we forgive others that sin against us. Boy, teach your children to forgive others. Lead us not into trials. Look, I can pray, God, keep me from trials. Keep my granddaughters away from those guys out there. Keep my grandsons away from those harlots that are out there. Lead us not into trials. Deliver us from satanic attack. When, it, when Jesus says, pray, deliver us from evil, it's the evil one from Satan's attack. Deliver us. I pray that every day. I pray that every day. So when I'm praying, when I'm praying, Father, I pray for Ashlyn that she'll live for you and serve you all of her life and you give her a godly husband. I, I, I'm praying, lead us not into trials. Deliver us from satanic attack. God knows that. Lead us. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for our grandchildren. I'm so, I'm so used to praying that for my grandchildren that I was praying for, <laughs> I was praying for Jonathan. Jonathan, he was my oldest grandson. He was eight years old at the time. And he was spending the night at my house. And while he was there at my house, uh, I went in to, I, I went in to, uh, to, to pray with him before he went to sleep. So he's all tucked into bed, and I went in, and I, I, put, I, put my, I put my hand on his back, and I started praying for him. I said, Lord, I thank you for Jonathan. I pray, Father, he'll live for you and serve you all of his life, and I pray you'll give him a godly wife. He's eight years old. And just when I prayed that, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I said, I said what are you doing? You're interrupting my prayer. He said, don't pray that, Grandpa. I'm not getting married. Eight years old, I hated girls, and he... Uh, and, uh, I said, oh, okay, okay, well, well uh, I'll, I'll, I'll rethink that. Last, well, the last couple of weeks, I saw Jonathan. He's 17 years old. He's about to go to college. I said, hey, uh, I said, Jonathan, I said, you want me to start praying for that, uh, for that? Is it all right for me to keep praying for your wife? Oh, yes, Grandpa, please. Uh, you can keep praying that all you want. Now, his, his attitude changed. I want to, we need to pray for our children. And we need to pray for them, and we need to understand how important it is. By the way, don't just pray for them. Let them hear you pray for them. You should pray for them privately because there's, a, there's power in private prayer. You, 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 this one lesson we learned from Job, if you don't learn any other lesson from Job, you realize this. When you pray, you're on center stage in heaven. Job never realized when he bowed before God and he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He had no idea that God in heaven was watching, that angels were watching. He even had Satan himself watching. Demons were watching. When you get down before Almighty God on your face before him and you cry out to God, and ask him to do something with thanksgiving. What you are doing is on center stage in heaven. There are demons that are cringing. There are angels that are rejoicing. And God the Father is watching. What an amazing thing. He, we, we're to go before God. We're to plead with God. But don't you, and so that private prayer is so important. 
But that prayer in their presence is so, so powerful. And I'm like you. I get sleepy. Well, after the day is over, I've gone all day long. I'm exhausted. I've given everything I can. I'm exhausted. The last thing I want to do is, is, is just do one more thing, like pray. So I get up. I get ready to go to bed. I, this happened to me so many times while, I, while my kids were growing up. I'd, I'd get in bed. I'd crawl in bed, and I'd think, oh, I forgot to pray with the kids. So I get back up. I walk over. My kids, uh, my, my, my two boys stayed in one room. The, my three girls stayed in another room, and their, their rooms were separated by a wall. A door went into the girls' room, a, a door went into the boys' room, so I could stand right there between those uh, two, two between, uh, right there at the wall, and I could pray, and they could hear me in both rooms. So I'd say, get in bed, and then I'd say, okay, Lord, I pray, I pray for Matt. I pray he'll live for you and serve you all of his life, and you'll give him a, a godly wife. I pray, Father, for Joshua, that he'll live for you and serve you all his life. You'll give him a godly wife. Pray that, I pray for Charity, she'll live for you and serve you all her life, and you'll give her a godly husband. And I pray for Faith, that she'll live for you and serve you all her life, and you'll give her a godly uh, husband. And I pray for Hope, that, that she'll live for you and serve you all her life, and you'll give her a godly husband. I pray that, and then I'd say, Lord, I, I pray you'll help them to sleep well tonight. If they had a special request, my friend is hurting, would you pray for them? I'd pray for that. I mean, it was very quick, and it was very, but it was... Always. I always prayed for them. And then I would go to bed. Um, they heard me pray. Can I tell you this? My kids know that I pray. Yesterday, two of my daughters called me up. And, they, and within five minutes of each other, they said, Daddy, would you pray for this? They didn't call me up to talk to me. They didn't call me up to say, I love you. You're a wonderful man. Thank you for being my father. They, said, they called up and said, Daddy, I have a prayer request. Would you pray for this? You know why they called me? Because they know I'll pray for them. You know what they, you know what they do? They pray. You know why? Because they learned to, to pray because they heard dad pray and they heard, they saw God answer prayer. So two of them called me up yesterday. It's so important that we pray. Prayer is the most powerful thing in the world. It's the most powerful thing that we have. Pray for your children. Pray for them every day. Pastor, what time do we end Uh -oh. 12.15 or 12.30. Okay, good. 12.30 is coming. And so um, you need to pray for your children every day. I got to tell you this. I just have to tell you this. One of the sweetest things that ever happened to me in my life was at, at Matthew and Brianna's wedding. Matthew grew up, uh, my, my daughter grew up with a very, very close friend. Her name was Brianna. We very seldom allowed kids to ever spend the night, but Brianna was like part of our family. And so we would allow Brianna's to spend the night with, with Charity from time to time. Well, whenever, Char whenever Brianna spent the night, I would go in and do my same routine every night. I would pray for Matthew and Joshua and Charity, Faith and Hope. But Brianna was there. So I would say, Brianna, I'd, I'd, pray, I'd pray for Brianna. I'd say, because Brianna was Charity's best friend. And so I'd pray for Brianna. I'd say, Lord, I pray for Brianna. I pray she'll live for you and serve you all her life. And I pray you'll give her a godly husband. When, when, uh, uh, and and you, you need to understand, they all just looked at each other as brothers and sisters. It was no problem because they all were brothers and sisters except for Brianna. I used to think to myself, my boys don't have much eyesight. Why doesn't one of them, why, why isn't one of them interested in Brianna? But neither one of them were. Matthew went off to Bible college, came back from Bible college, became the associate pastor of our church and worked in our church. 
Brianna, in the meantime, left with, with charity and went off to Bible college. She was studying for, uh, the, for Bible co- in, in Bible college. After her first year, she came back as a fr- in her fr- after her freshman year. She walked into our house one day, and we're sitting and talking. Charity comes in with Brianna, and Matt and I and, and Mom are talking. And uh, all of a sudden, Matthew looks like this. Brianna walked in, and he said, Brianna. Wow. That was the last time Brianna spent the night at our house. (laughs) Matthew and Brianna, about a year after that, wound up getting married, and I was doing the wedding. I did the wedding, and afterwards I went by, and I gave Matthew a hug. And I put my arms around Brianna, and I gave her a hug. And she said, Dad, can I tell you something? I said, what? She said, she said, do you remember when I used to spend the night with charity? So I said, yes. She said, and you would come in at night, and she said, you prayed for Matthew to have a godly wife, and you prayed for me to have a godly husband. She said, you prayed for me twice every time we were together. And I just, it just, I just could hardly hold it, and I was hugging her and just thanking God. Listen, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. You need to pray for your children, and you need to pray with your children. Let me say number two, you need, to, you need to play with your children. You need to play with your children. This is as important as praying with your children. My children did a, did a nationwide podcast where all of them got together and talked about how they were raised. That is scary. <laughs> that is scary. They talked about it, and all I, I said, I, I, I didn't listen to it for a while, but after a couple of weeks, I, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. It's edited. I'm going to watch it. I, li- I watched it, and I just laughed because here's what they talked about the whole time. Oh, we had so much fun doing this. We had so much fun doing this. We had so much fun doing this. We had fun, fun, fun. I said the word that was used more than anything in that podcast was the word fun. And, and I realized, listen, how important it is that you play with your children. Your children need to know that they are more important to you than anything else in the world. Listen, my relationship with God is number one. My re- human relationship with my wife is number one. Uh, but our relationship, my wife and I's relationship with our children is our priority, and our children know that. We played with them. We, we, we had to we deliberately decide that no matter what anybody else was going to do, we were going to spend days with our children. Uh, I, had, I, I, was, I became a preacher at the time that people were saying, you need to burn out for Jesus, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, go for Jesus, God will take care of your kids. And I thought, that's not true. God wants me to take care of my children. That's my number one priority is, as a husband and wife. Our children have got to be our priority. And we decided we were going to do that. We decided we were going to take every Monday off and so we would, uh, we would, and we weren't rich. So sometimes we would go to amusement parks. Sometimes we would go do things. But I had to come up with creative things to do with my children that were fun. And I would, I would on Saturday, I'd be out on visitation. I'd be knocking on doors, inviting people to come to church. And I'd be thinking as I'd go door to door, what can I do that's fun, that's free, that's cheap on, 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 on Monday that my kids will just think is great? One day I came up with this brilliant, brilliant idea. I remembered when I was 10 years old, what I did. When I was 10 years old, I 
went out lizard hunting with my children. In the desert, out in the desert, we have whiptail lizards that are about this long. That we have, we have little snub-nosed lizards that are about this big. They have horny toads that are out there. They're really cool. And I thought, I've never taken my kids lizard hunting. They'll think I'm the coolest thing in the world if I take them out lizard hunting. So I go home that night with this brilliant idea. I say, honey, you know what we're going to do on Monday? She said, what? I said, I got this great idea. And she's excited. What? I said, I'm going to take our kids lizard hunting. She said, what? I said, we're going to go lizard hunting. She said, lizard hunting? I said, yeah. I said, when I was a kid, we would go out. You go out in the desert and you find pieces of wood or you find cardboard or junk that people have thrown out. And what happens is lizards go underneath those pieces of wood or cardboard and you get four or five teenage or four, four or five junior age boys around there and then you lift that up and then you'll find a lizard underneath there. And the, the rule was you jump on the lizard and the, the hand that gets on the lizard gets the lizard if it doesn't die from being squashed by all the other boys. And so the idea was uh, I, I, so I said, I, this is great. She said, but David, there could be snakes out there. I said, what do you know? You've been born, you're in Pennsylvania. This is the desert. I know the desert. I was born and raised here. It's going to be fine. She said, okay, all right. So, so I mean, she'll go along with anything. And uh, so we, we, we thought Monday came, I packed the kids up and we're driving down, we're driving down this old dirt road. As we're heading down this dirt road, I saw a treasure. Somebody had taken up an old box spring and thrown it on the middle of the road. And there it was, just there. I thought, that's, that's insulation. There's going to be a lizard underneath there for absolute sure. It's going to be there. Now, I got to tell you about one other thing. In, 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 in the desert, there's this stuff called blow sand. What happens is over a period of months or years, uh, uh, if there's a hole in a road, this blow sand can come from the wind blowing up, and a little, it's a very fine powdery sand that, that can cover up a hole. So you're driving down the road, and it looks like it's totally flat, but you hit this pothole, it's filled with blow sand, and, and the, it comes up like powder, flies up, and you're, you, you get caught in a pothole. So that can happen, and in, those, in, those, in that blow sand, it's very, very thin, animals crawl down inside that the that uh, blows that. I had to tell you that to tell you the rest of the story, okay? So I, I see this mattress, and I said, hey, that's going to be perfect. My wife said, there could be a snake under there, David. I said, that's not going to happen. And so I said, I said, we got out of the car. We get the kids. I, I, took, I took Faith over here and Charity over here, and I had Matt, and I had uh, Joshua over here, and, I, and Hope was only about 18 months old, um, uh, and I had her under my arm like a sack of potatoes, Right? And her feet are dangling down here. And I said, okay, now we're whispering. I said, as soon as I lift this up, you're going to see a, a lizard. And then when you see that lizard, it'll be stunned. And so we're going to flip that thing back, and, and we're going to get down there, and we're going to get that lizard. Okay, okay, everybody's excited. So we get down. I reach down there. I, I pull this thing out. Now, my wife is back here, <laughs> about 15 foot away. And she's saying, David, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I get down, I put, I, I pick up that, 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 uh, that thing and I flip it back. When I flipped it back, being muscular as I am, I flip that thing back and miss the kids. And sure enough, just like I said, there was a little snub-nosed lizard about that big. It was right there. 
What I did not see was what my wife 15 feet away could see. Right in front of me, there was blow sand and there was a rattlesnake wrapped up in that, in that blow sand. I took, I took hope. I, I, I saw this lizard. I'm excited because I saw the lizard. And so I took hope and I laid, sat her down right on the ground. And I reached over to get that. When I heard this voice from 15 feet away saying, David, there's a snake. And I said, where? And that snake came right up and looked at Hope eyeball to eyeball. And I thought, oh, there, there's a snake <laughs> right there. Of course, I grabbed Hope uh, and we just jumped back and the girls went off screaming and the boys panicked for a minute, but then afterwards they got big rocks and they went after that snake and it was just a fun day. So what I'm saying is you need to have fun with your family. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray with your children and you need to have fun with your children. Let me give you one last thing and then I'll be finished. You need to participate with your children in ministry. Don't let ministry be something that divides you from your family. Do what you do in ministry with your family. Get them involved. If you clean the church, let them clean the church with you. If you go out door knocking, let them go door knocking with you. When we traveled and preached, our children went with us. When we had evangelists come in and speak, they went to dinner with us. Everything we did in ministry, our children did with us. That's what they did. Every place we went, every, every, whatever we did, they were with us. If I was asked to go preach someplace, I took our kids with us. I was invited to, to Southern California to preach at a, at a, uh, a Christian college one time. I, and Faith was eight years old at the time. Uh, Faith, was, um, uh, Faith was eight. And so I went there and I preached the message. I told them, as soon as we're finished preaching, we're going to go uh, uh, she, in fact, this was her eighth birthday. I said, as soon as we finish preaching, we're going to get out of here. Chapel will be over. We're going to take off. And we're, we're only 30 minutes away from Disneyland. We're going to go to Disneyland. So afterwards, now at a Bible college, it's sort of different. Afterwards, the, preach, the, the president of the college said, now, if you'd like to talk to Dr. Tice, you just come right down here, and he'll be willing to talk to you about anything. So afterwards, I, I, he did that, and I went down. Well, my kids are back here waiting to go to Disneyland, and, uh, and I'm, I'm down here. I, they, a line lined up. I mean, it was huge. As long as the chapel, these, a line of students that want to talk to me personally, and they're saying, would you sign my Bible? And I'm signing their Bibles, and I'm talking to them, and, and the, the line is just, it, it just, it's there. Pretty soon, my kids are getting very frustrated with this, and so they send Faith down, <laughs> and Faith comes down, and she grabs my thing, and she's like, again, eight years old. She's blonde. She's the cutest little thing. And she said, she said, Dad, Dad, let's go. Let's go to Disneyland. She has no idea what's going on. I said, oh, just one minute. And then she stopped for a minute, and she looked. And she looked at that line of people, and she saw what I was doing. And she said, what are you doing? Are you signing Bibles? She said, what do you think you are, some big shot or something? <laughs> We took our children with us. They participated in ministry with us, and we had a great time together. Pray for your children. Pray with your children. Play with your children and participate in ministry with your children. Your children will love.
the Lord Jesus Christ if they see your love, his love in you towards them. Let's pray. Father, help us to take what we've heard today. Help us to apply it to our lives. Father, help us not just be hearers, but doers. Father, doing these things makes us adjust our lives. But help us to be willing to do that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a question. The first question I want to ask you is this. Do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? The Bible says, as I said at the beginning of this message, that we're all sinners. Because we're sinners, we all deserve to go to hell. But Jesus Christ died for you. He was buried. He rose from the dead for you so you could have eternal life. You can't represent him. And I'm going to tell you this. You can't be the right type of father. You can't be the right type of husband. You can't be, you can't be what God wants you to be unless first you come to him. And you say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you are God and I want to receive what you did for me. If you've never done that, you can do that. And you can do that right now where you're seated. You can whisper this prayer to him. You can say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you are God. And I know you died in my place to pay for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead, proving that you are God. And right now, in the best way I know how, I call on you and ask you to be my Lord and my Savior and my God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. Most important prayer that anybody can pray in the world is that prayer because that makes you a child of God. I hope you've done that. Christian, would you ask God to change you to make you more disciplined in your area of prayer? Would you make a commitment to pray for your children every day? And make a commitment, dad, mom, make a commitment to pray in the presence of your children on a daily basis. Make that commitment. You say, what if I make a commitment and I, and I fail? Stay. Learn to daily do what God wants you to do. And when you mess up, you just determined to do it right the next time. Would you make a commitment, Dad, that you're going to play with your kids, you're going to have fun with your kids? There's nothing more important in your life than your children. Pray for them. Kids, would you say, Lord, I pray for my mom, I pray for my dad. Help them to lead us right. Mom, would you just say, Lord, help me. Help me to be the help meet for my husband. Help me to be the wife. Help me to be the mother God wants me to be. Make a commitment about praying, about playing and participating in ministry. Ask God to give you a ministry that you can involve your children in, where you can grow together as a family. Oh, that'll bless you. That'll bless your family, and that will bless this church.
Father, I pray you'll help us to take what we've heard, help us to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen.